0: So, Lisa, I never miss a chance to talk about Allison Felix, and this week was her last race, her official last race, and I just wanted to swipe the tears away uh, because I can't believe we're coming to the end of yet another era of the most decorated track and field athlete. I'm just Feeling some kind of way about it. Um, so mm-hmm. that thing had me in my feelings this week. But let me tell you what lifted me up, though, was when I saw an Instagram post from Athleta. They have partnered with Allison Felix to provide childcare for coaches, athletes who need it during races. And I was like, wow, that is incredible because we have talked about that very thing
1: yep. Yep. on this
0: podcast before, right? Mm-hmm. Haven't we talked about mm-hmm. childcare? We sure have,
1: yep. And <sighs> the lack of it.
0: <laughs> there you go. The lack of it, and you know that made me think too about that whole, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation when it comes to being that uh, coach or that athlete who wants to chase their dreams, but they have to make decisions because of childcare or other uh, dependent care needs, other barriers, and. Allison Felix is like, been there, done that. Let me remove that for you. I mean, how trailblazing is that, right?
1: It's pretty depressing, though, that these programs need to exist. And we need someone like Allison Felix to be leading the way in 2022, right? Right.
0: That's right. Exactly. Exactly. That's true. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, shouldn't we be well beyond this? Eh, I guess not. But here we are. So Let's talk about this stuff. This is like this impossible mm-hmm. standard that we're trying to meet and we never do. So let's talk about it. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. Whether you're competing in a triathlon or swimming to challenge yourself, ORCA has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs.
1: Innovation has always been part of ORCA's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account.
0: Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, ORCA wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. For
1: 15% off all items on orca.com, use the code LIVEFEISTY15.
2: Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and use the code feisty for 20% off. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty.
0: So, Lisa, when I read the article about Allison Felix's last race, number one, but then number two, this partnership that she's creating for childcare for athletes and coaches at particular races. I thought it was really interesting because number one, we've talked about it before, but also Allison mentions that she wanted her final season to be about giving back to the sport and giving back to mom athletes, people like herself. Um, And so I think that was most interesting because we know she's highly decorated. You know, she doesn't need any more medals. If she wants them fine, but she's basically saying, I don't need any more medals. I need to kind of leave a legacy for women like me. So You don't have to deal with the drama and foolishness that she dealt with before, but you know, I'm with you in that how many things are happening like this, where we have these trailblazers and big names that are finding opportunities to do things like this, that are really a stopgap where we shouldn't even need them, but we do. right? Yeah, it it is. It's, it's heartening, but it's frustrating at the same time. So it's like, thank you for providing a solution, but are we ever going to get at the root? We're not there. I don't think we're there. No, I don't.
1: And I think it highlights the, the issue I think we've touched on before. And you mentioned in the intro around damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? And how right you know, organizations are trying to encourage more women to participate in sport and in just in anything, really, but they're not then providing the requisite supports or infrastructure to do that. And mm-hmm. while it certainly isn't. A mother's mm-hmm. sole responsibility to parent their children, assuming that there is another parental figure or more than one parental figure in the picture, right? It's still, mm-hmm. we know that the research shows the reality, particularly through COVID, that this is continuing to fall on um, the mothers in the family. And, you know, mm. just, I'm just, I'm, it, to, to your point, <laughs> I am pissed off about it because we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be having this conversation again. You know, we're coming on the heels of Roe versus Wade and the loss of um, reproductive autonomy, reproductive freedom. And so now there are going to be many people who are going to be forced to carry um, pregnancies Mm -hmm. to term, risking their lives, changing their lives. And the burden falls largely on the person who is pregnant. Um, And, you know, so the need for childcare is actually going to increase, right? Like culturally, the need to provide right. better, more, more affordable child care, better um, educational That's... opportunities for kids, um, better health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of that is coming, right? None of that is coming in addition. So now we're just going to no. have more babies. That's and- right then we come then and a whole lot more bad mothers, right? Because you know, what's, who's going to get blamed? Who's going to get blamed oh, yes. forced to give birth to a child and either go through the trauma of putting the kid up for adoption, because if that's what ends up happening. But according mm-hmm. to Amy Comey Barrett, that's totally fine. You can just drop your kid off at a hospital no questions asked and just walk away, you, you know, go away. Mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then, you know, when, Kids are um, living in poverty. Uh, mothers mm-hmm. are having to work three jobs. I mean, gosh, sport isn't going to even be on their list in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. And, but they're going to then end up being bad moms. And so right. this whole right. damned if you do damned, if you don't, like you're being pushed into a situation and there's nothing you can do because if you have an abortion or want an abortion, you're a shitty human. And if that's you, right, if you mm-hmm. then don't parent appro- quote, quote, mm-hmm. appropriately, then you're also a shitty human, right? That's right. That's right,
0: and and let me share with you how easy it is to be a shitty human, y'all, <laughs> based on those standards, right? So y'all know I talk about both of my sons constantly on this podcast, but let me give you the, the math and the numbers behind it. So both of my sons, 11, eight, about a three-year gap between the two, but at one point, we actually had both sons in daycare, all right? One of them was in the... Th- the three-year-old class, and the other one was in the newborn class or considered relatively newborn. Now, for those that are aware of how daycare pricing works, it is extremely expensive, but it is more expensive if your child is not potty trained, okay? So I had a three-year-old that wasn't potty trained and I had an infant. The two highest rates for infant and toddlers together, right? My then husband and I would toggle back and forth between because our salaries were very close, very similar, even with raises from time to time. So we were about 50-50 when it came to income in the house. We would toggle back and forth between which one was more expensive. Usually daycare was more expensive than our four bedroom home on a quarter acre of land in Prince George's County, Maryland, the most affluent black area of the country. And the mortgage was still more uh, less expensive than daycare for our two children. So when daycare for your two children is around at that time, which is what eight, eight years ago, six years ago. Now at that time, around 2,300 a month. And then that's your first mortgage. Then your second mortgage is your actual house. If you have access to one. And then your third mortgage is when you're, you both have terminal degrees and you still have school loans Even those that are relatively well off still cannot afford, but so many children, especially if you don't have other folks in the family or people that you trust in your circle to care for your children. So it doesn't take much to be a bad parent, quote unquote, bad parent based on those types of standards. Damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And in my situation, based just on the simple math, My then husband would have actually stayed home with the boys because even though we made about the same money, I was the one that carried the state employee benefits. So mathematically he would have stayed home and that would have been a damned if you do damned if you don't situation for me, because what does it look like to have a stay at home father and you're leaving your children at home? Like, come on, are you serious? And we were well off compared to most of the planet. We were well off. So it doesn't take much to be a bad parent. It really doesn't. I'm only imagining people who have many, many fewer resources than we had.
1: Well, and I can only think, Shauna, if that were the scenario, all of the raised eyebrows you'd have gotten in terms of your mothering. And then goodness, if you had gone out on a bike ride or gone to the gym for some strength training or gone on a run and left your kids at home alone although they're not actually alone, right? Alone Alone for additional time so that you, you, how Mm -hmm. dare you Mm -hmm. do the exercise, feel good about yourself, get an achievement, chase a goal, right? Yeah, that's
0: right. Exactly. Exactly. So it is so easy to be in that damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And so, you know, at what point do we finally say that these standards never work out? They never work Mm. out in the case of, especially in a gendered role, it never works out for women. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, you applaud us for working, but it's like, oh, well, if you work as an at-home, stay-at-home parent, then that's not really considered work. Like, I've literally heard men say that FMLA is like a vacation. Excuse me? Oh, please. What? I'm sorry, but my child hanging off of one breast and I haven't taken a shower in three days and I'm trying to find formula and I haven't slept and I'm bleeding and everything else. That's a vacation. All right. Okay. Whatever, man. It's to me that that is so ridiculous and ignorant. I think ignorant is the best word for it because once again, we're dealing with people that are setting standards that have no frame of reference and don't care to have one when it comes to this. Right and and
1: I think that these um alarm bells have been going off for women and other folks who are you know caring for kids or older adults for a long time but because the power structure doesn't really change and the power structure right. meaning state and federal government is still majority mm-hmm. older white dudes particularly in some in the senate that you know these these things aren't changing and I I just you know, I think I find it to be maddening, maddening that we're in 2022. And as women, you work too hard, but you don't work enough, or you spend too much time at the gym trying to feel good about yourself. Oh, but you you don't look good right now. Like smile, right? Like how many times have you had someone tell you to smile when you're walking oh, yeah. down the street or you're pumping gas or something? Almost always a dude, right? like Um, and so but you're what do you do like I mean other than shout expletives at them which I haven't done because that also doesn't feel unsafe right because can't generally be sure about my safety in 2022 in places where there are strange men Um, right
0: right right you
1: know and this we're talking about the motherhood penalty, what you kind of articulated, but then there's also the not being a mother penalty, right? Because then there's an assumption that there is a deficit, that there's something wrong with you, that you're not fully... A woman, Mm -hmm. um, or that some kind of trauma happened to you, all all these models that are placed on you versus I'm just freely and clearly choosing not to have children. And in the workplace, right? The thing that pisses me off most in the workplace, and I think we have talked about this before, because I remember hearing from a listener who it really resonated with, is the assumption that Mm. single people particularly single women in the workplace don't have anything else to do outside of work because they're not parenting. So therefore their time is not as important. So let's just pile on all the extra work and all the overtime. And by the way, we're going to pay you less because you're a woman and your labor isn't as valued. You know? yes. So here have 75 yes. cents on the dollar for the dude that's getting this, right?
0: That's right. That's right. And let's pay you even less because you can't, you don't even have the justification saying I need to negotiate for more take-home pay because I have dependents. Like you don't even get to say that. And that's already a raggedy as hell excuse for pay equity to begin with. But I'm like, oh my goodness, this again, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation where no, it's not fair for the woman beside me who doesn't have children to Uh, be assumed that, oh, well, we can just take over her time, that, oh, she doesn't have anything else she wants to do. And to me, that's just mind-blowing. And I, I do remember those days and those years because I didn't have my first child until I was 33. I've been working since I was 16. And so all those years in between, you know, when you don't have a child or you're not married or what have you, then people assume that, oh, you just are living in la-la land. You have nothing else to do, but come back and forth to work and that's it. And, oh, well, you must want the money. So get out of here. That is just mm-hmm. obnoxious and presumptuous because it's the assumption that we as an employer can not only own your time, but we can t- we can pay you the very least on the scale, even as we own your time. No, that, yeah. that's not going to work. That's not going to work at all. Have you also so, run into
1: either an explicit or an explicit uh, connotation that the exercise that you do, the triathlons that you do, the bike rides that you do are frivolous and they're frivolous because you could be spending your time looking after your kids or doing something that is more Mm. um, womanly, shall we say, but the Mm. men don't get the same kind of frivolous eyebrow raise Um, Mm,
0: mm
1: -hmm, I've come across mm -hmm. that not being a parent, but I've come across that. Like, why is that why you don't have kids? Is that why you're not in this relationship or whatever? Right. Because you Mm. spend too much time on the, on the working out, on the training and the coaching.
0: Well, see, now I, I hear your question and let me add one more identity on top of it. Body image as well, when it comes to that piece, because what ends up happening is again an impossible standard of saying because i've i've always been a relatively heavy person i've never been quote unquote thin or on that stupid ass bmi chart correctly i mean even at my healthiest strongest marathon weight i was still 175 at 55 and felt wonderful was i felt the best i ever in life and yet still the question is the impossible standard of Shauna, you need to keep working on your weight, but you spend too much time at the gym, but you need to spend more time with the boys. Mm. So I'm like, well, which one do you want? Because unlike Beyonce, no, I do not wake up like that at all. I have to work for every single ounce gained, lost, or transformed. And so therefore you say you want to see a certain thing. Well, seeing it requires work, no matter what you want to do, whether you want to gain weight. I know some women who are desperate to gain weight for health reasons and other things. It doesn't happen by osmosis. And so the time trade-off always seems to be within that impossible standard. We want you to take care of your body, etc., but do it without asking for any time away from right. your dependents right. or anyone else in your life. And that math does not add up. It doesn't no. add up for anyone, Mm-mm. never. And yeah, so I, that's where I would say, yeah, that happens a lot. Um, and it's a shame because again, it's, it's never a win situation and it's always frivolous. It's always icing on an already good cake. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why is it a must for a man, but it's an extra for a woman, even as we're held to a higher, uh, aesthetic standard. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm like, well, shit. You can't have it both ways. You can't bitch and moan about people's mm-hmm. size or women's mm-hmm. size or their, you know, body image, but yet not give them the time you even say you want them to put into the work. I'm like, get out of here. It's it's right. so impossible, so impossible.
1: Yeah, and I I I think you know these cultural standards, these impossible standards about where we should spend our time, what's valuable, how we should look, who we should look a certain way for. It's not that they don't exist for men or for folks of other genders, of course they do, but the vast majority of those messages in our culture are targeted towards women or feminine people, right? And so, you know, by focusing on this, by talking about this, we're not saying that individuals of other gender identities don't experience it we're trying to focus in on this very specific experience mm-hmm. of the impossible standard as it intersects with sport and motherhood right. and no motherhood for women because that is an enduring mm-hmm. issue and um i'm just trying to head off any critiques at the pass here because i think that to focus on women right. there was this oh did you see that clip it was a woman um lawyer, maybe who was being interviewed by Josh Hawley, who's a really obnoxious, annoying congressperson, or maybe even a senator. I don't know. I I saw that. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he was like asking her about um, pregnancy or maybe Roe versus Wade or something like that. And she was being really gender inclusive in the way that she was talking about it in terms of trans people, non-binary people
2: um, and how
1: Multiple folks are going to be affected. And then he was like, So does that mean it's not really a woman's problem? And she was like, Well, no, right. Because it can be a problem that affects multiple people, but also at the same time significantly affect one gender women, which it does. Right. So they're not mutually exclusive things, right? To be exactly right. Yeah.
0: That's right. That's right. So, exactly. Well, and and that's the thing. You know, we're we're not saying that it doesn't affect other folks. We're just saying that it disproportionately affects the groups that we're discussing yeah. right now. Yeah. That's what we're saying. And you know, but but to your point, you know, when I'm thinking about people who ask these questions, even people who are striving to be allies that aren't directly impacted by these, you know, issues or even perceptions or standards Here's the other side of that coin, too, is that they're probably thinking, well, shit, we're damned if we do or damned if we don't as well when it comes to trying to be supportive, but we're not really quite providing what you say you need or um, we thought we were being helpful by providing, you know, what have you at a race. And now you're saying you don't want it because it's too gendered. So, you know, part of me thinks that the perfectionism when it comes to standards can happen on both sides. Yeah it, yeah, it seems to happen a lot more when people are, you know, kind of pounding their fists and women and girls should be this way. And I'm like, mm, no, we're, we're not going to buy into that standard, number one. We're going to set our own standards. And for those who are trying to be allies, I, I would say try to take your mind outside of the usual structures, because now we have or we have always had the opportunity to create standards based on what we individually want, not what an entire society says we should have. Right. You know, and I, and I think that's where the mind blowing piece comes in because we're not used to that. It's like, oh, well, I'm used to these gender norms or this is how I was raised or what have you. And now we're saying we ain't subscribing to none of it. It's, it's almost like, you know, professionally where they we usually call them conferences and now we're calling them unconferences because we're we're unraveling the structure that used to be there because we want a new structure. I think that's only, the only way to create standards that actually work, you know, because if mm-hmm. we go by someone else's, mm-hmm. they're not going to work at all.
1: Yeah. And I like that connection you made there. Cause I think there's ambiguity in allyship. If we're trying to be allies and we're, we're basing that on the standard or cultural norm or oh. expectation about what a group may want. Right. And so yes. then if you build your allyship around that I imagine then you do feel like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you feel like you can't say the right thing or can't do the right thing because you're always being corrected. But that's part of the ambiguity of moving away from this strict understanding Mm. of or cultural expectation about how to be in the world, depending on whether that's race or gender or ability, right? Mm -hmm. So that's actually a really neat point to think from an ally's perspective that you you need to sit in the ambiguity a little bit more and mm. if you're corrected then so be it right but don't mm-hmm. then take that correction and assume that that is applicable to everyone else who is part of that group so okay. you're you're probably never going to shake that feeling and i mm-hmm. think but you have to ride
0: with it right like that's you have right. to just that's sit right. with it because that's just part of it i think Yeah, that's right. And you know, when we think about that ambiguity, you're right. When whether we're talking about inside endurance sport or outside endurance sport, there's so many different realms where it can happen. So whether it's you know in your workplace or out of your workplace, whether it's um, your relationship status, whether it's your familial status, whatever it is, it can still Uh, have these standards that are moving and adjusting. And it is kind of like a moving target. Same thing happens in endurance sport where um, you reminded me, Lisa, I saw something in my um, Facebook feed around once again, asking for more clothing that is happens to be for women, but also of multiple sizes. And so having body equity and size equity. So you don't just stop at a particular size. And I was even thinking about that, where why can't we just think through what's going to be most inclusive? Like, why are there women's sizes and men's sizes? Why aren't there just inches or why aren't there something else that's an actual ruler rather than gender hanging on to a size? Because that's what they were asking for. And I'm thinking to myself, why does my friend have to buy a men's medium Because the women's extra large is the last size, when really it shouldn't be men or women, it should just be inches smaller to larger. Wouldn't that make sense? I thought it would, but again, you know, if you're going back to standards, it's like Mm -hmm. that would be yet again another system that you would have to obliterate and remove the gendered standards in order for it to be most accepting for everyone, right? how many different systems do we need to obliterate to make sure more people are included in them so that we don't have the impossible standard of women who can't fit whatever name brand trikit, for example. I do wonder
1: in in that scenario, whether in the journey to obliteration, it would simply (laughs) default to male sizes, right? Because we already see that with unisex. Unisex is basically male sizing Oh, and women just have to like deal with it. Um, That's right. That's right. But presumably, if you did do inches or centimeters, right, there would be a greater um, gradation. Mm-hmm. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like if there would be, yeah. it would, there would be more sizes, right? Because mm-hmm. the jumps wouldn't be so big, right? Like so, it wouldn't yeah. be like 55 to 65 inches. It might be like, like 55 to 57, 58 to 59, which would right. then account for that. But I just, I, you know, because we live in the this patriarchal system. Where women are mm-hmm. constantly caught between doing things wrong or right, and then next the next day what they did that was right was is now wrong, right? Based on these standards, there you know, go. we just mm-hmm. end up we end up just shifting into this kind of like um neutral position, but neutral is actual actually male, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Well, and I wonder if you know I'm I'm assuming so neutral being male is always painted as the easiest because it's the one we've been using the longest. So, you know, one of my good friends, Tara, she always mentions that she can, her her superpower is when it comes to equity, being able to reframe in such a way that if it only sounds right when you say it one way, then it's not right. So for example, if we go like that unisex example in the the shirts, well, let's say okay, unisex shirts, they only fit going one way, male. It does not fit if we were trying to equate unisex to women's sizes, so therefore it doesn't work because it's supposed to go all directions, not just one. And so that's the ongoing frustration is what do we default to? And usually that's a standard that doesn't work for most of the world. So why do it? Why do it? Yeah, Because people want power and they want to hold on to power as long as humanly possible, (sighs) <sighs> Black. that was, that back was quite, to obliteration. quite a
1: jump shorter unisex t-shirts to people want to hold on to power
0: <laughs> yes and back to obliteration there you go uh, there I, you okay.
1: go i'm i'm jumping with you i'm jumping with you
0: <laughs> but
1: so, so you might have lost some people in that unisex oh. t-shirt to people just want to hold on to power jump but um i think yes. that you know the other thing that's popped into my head that is in my head connected, but may not feel connected to the listener is the ways in which, you know, in partnerships where um, there is, where, in heterosexual partnerships, mm-hmm. uh, where there's a, a man and a woman and the man does something bad, um, like cheats on their partner, then how it ultimately still ends up being the woman's fault because the woman wasn't um, dressed appropriately or, didn't do uh, certain things enough or was too assertive or didn't give the person what they wanted or, you know, so, uh, like, you know, the, the dude was like forced into infidelity. Um, I find that to be quite sickening and it isn't just infidelity. It's a lot of things, but I've been seeing uh, that a lot on my Instagram pages from women these days. And it does come back to the athleticism piece, right? Because you're spending too much time on the bike, on the run, in the pool, hiking, whatever it is, and you're not spending enough time with me. So you forced me, you pushed me into this. Your
0: neglect pushed me into this, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Someone has to be blamed and someone has to be the villain. Okay. And that that's one of the questions I've, I will share and I've, I've shared before publicly that, when my former relationship was tanking very quickly and I was training, you know, getting ready for 70.3, a lot of other things going on at the time. And I asked a very sincere question. I asked the question because I was, again, expected to be at home a bit more and being with the children more, et cetera. And after I finished my 70.3, I literally shut everything down for weeks. Like I didn't even go for a walk. I didn't do anything. I just sat on my behind and stayed home for about six weeks or so. And the question I had was interesting. You still seem unhappy. How much do I need to be home for you to be happy? And there was no answer. So like literally, what do they call it? The ball and chain? Like when a, like a, a couple is ball and chained, like, Am I supposed to be chained to this house? And even when I am, you're still unhappy. So that tells me that no amount of attention right, right. or time will ever be enough. So if, if this is always going to be unhappy for you, then I might as well just go ahead on and be happy How about that. That's what I'm going to do. And I know a lot of women right, wouldn't right. say that, but it's like, again, the impossible standard putting enough time in when there is never a barometer for enough time. And I I think the same thing would be said for dependents and so forth. There's never enough time that you can spend with your kids or enough time to spend with a partner or enough time to spend, et cetera. You're constantly trying to integrate it all together because endurance sport is a lifestyle. So, you know, we can talk all day long about those impossible standards, but are we willing to name them when we see them? Right, right. And if we're not willing to name them, then people are just going to keep holding them, you know, holding them over our heads. So Lisa, I kind of feel that at this point, I'm ready to check out and say, look, I'm no longer willing to have conversations about other people's standards for me. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Just not. And I'm okay with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Well, Okay. I think that's a great place to end this conversation, this uh, maddening conversation. Um, Rants, rants, rants. We just needed a couple of margaritas and that would have topped it all off. Um, So what about, what about our hell yeah and hell nah for this week, Shauna? Hell yeah. Hell nah. Ooh,
0: so... I know one specific hell naw that a lot of people have been running into and I personally have run into, fortunately, coming out of, but look, these predatory mortgage companies are full of it, okay? Especially because, Lisa, I know you and I have a long history of talking about redlining, greenlining, green lining, blue lining, all the lining when it comes to access to real estate properties, et cetera, and how mortgage companies continue to do their dirt without any type of standards. Since we've been talking about an impossible standard, there is a possible standard for mortgage companies, but they aren't being held to it. And so it's a shame that it's continuously, disproportionately affecting women and people of color who have already had a longstanding history of not having access to real estate, which then in turn affects their possibilities for generational wealth to their loved ones, their family, their friends, their siblings, et cetera. It's a damn shame, but it still exists and it's very real. So I just want to Mm -hmm. name that as a hell no, because we have already talked about a, a number of things in regards to access and socioeconomic status as well. So that's one thing.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big hell nah and absolutely very relevant right now as people are looking to buy homes, sell homes, inflation is rising, interest rates are rising. Yes. It's becoming very difficult. And it's particularly difficult for folks who are not privileged in that process. So absolutely. hell nah, predatory mortgage companies. You've heard that's it here right. first, people. Um, all right. So hell yeah. We're just we're just circling back to to our woman, Allison Felix, who we love and fangirl because of the work that she's doing around childcare and just because she's awesome. And the fact that she made a shoe company because she didn't have a shoe mm-hmm. sponsor and she just went out and did it, right? She just said you. Maybe she didn't mm-hmm. say you, but you know, it was kind of an you. I'm just going to do this myself. I'm not going to wait for you, right? I'm not going to wait for you, male-owned companies. I'm just going to do this. So we just you know, with her last race just happening, we felt like it would be important to add Allison to our Hell Yeah category.
0: All right, Lisa, I have completely lost my mojo for cycling. It's nowhere to be found, but maybe with a brand new bike computer, I'll get back into the swing of things. I definitely know the
1: feeling Um, I did get a new bike this summer and a new bike computer. So I'm really hoping that those two will be the perfect match to get us back into our cycling routine.
0: The Hammerhead Karoo 2 is the most advanced GPS cycling computer available today, with industry-leading mapping, navigation, and routing capabilities that set it apart from other GPS options. Free global maps with points of interest included, like cafes or campsites. Lisa, you know we love our coffee, Mm -hmm. but that means that we can kind of explore a little bit, and we can do that with confidence and on-the-go flexibility.
1: You know, quite honestly, you sold me right there with the fact that it's gonna tell me where the coffee is. I mean, that's that's really all I need. But also the Caro 2's touchscreen display is intuitive, responsive, and in full color. Yay. So your navigation experience is more like a smartphone than a GPS device. You'll see your data more clearly than ever, even in rugged conditions, since the screen is scratch resistant with anti-glare and water droplet projection.
0: Oh my goodness. And I am so rough on my electronics. I need the scratch resistant piece right there. But, you know, tens of thousands of cyclists have chosen the Karu two as their trusted riding companions, including Flora Duffy. Hammerhead's Karu two was named bicycling magazine's editor's choice in GPS cycling computers for the past two years and continues to collect accolades throughout the sport so unfazed listeners we have an exclusive
1: offer for you for a limited time you can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a hammerhead caro 2 visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code unfazed and remember that's with a ph and at the checkout to get yours today unfazed
0: we have a promo code lisa Woohoo!
2: Sarah Gross here. I'm Katherine Taylor. Sarah True here.
0: Hey there, this is Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold. Celine here.
2: I'm Haley Chura. Hey, it's Alyssa Gadeski here. I'm a professional triathlete. Ironman champion. Professional triathlete. Health and fitness writer, A gravel cyclist. A two-time Olympia. And former All-American triathlete. Founder and CEO of Feisty Media. None of us would have had the opportunities we've had in sports without the passing of Title IX and the changes that came in its wake. So, as the hosts of Feisty Media's podcasts, we decided to band together and create a series to tell the stories behind the law that changed everything. This special series will be presented on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Subscribe now to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. This is Nine. Nine, 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 nine.
1: Unphased, a podcast produced by Feisty Media and supported by The Outspoken Summit. Edited
0: and produced by the fabulous Millie Perry.
1: Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social media at Try to Defy, at Dr. Gold Speaks, or at Outspoken Women and Try.
0: I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time.